So in her amazing, uh, her book, Amazing Grace, Kathleen Norris, who is uh, a great author and poet, shares this story when she and her husband were visiting a friend of theirs named Arlo. He was kind of a rugged, self-made man, but he was facing terminal cancer and he was reflecting on his life. And he shared a story about his grandfather. And he said his grandfather, when he and his wife got married many years ago, his grandfather gave to him a brand new Bible. And so they received the Bible and, and they left it in the box, uh, put it on the shelf. Um, but every time they saw their grandfather, he would ask and say, how do you like that Bible? How do you like your Bible? And they're like, we love it, thank you. The wife, he said, had written the thank you note and every time you know, they saw him, they thanked him for the Bible, but his grandfather kept asking, how do you like that Bible? So he finally was like, something's up here. He went, pulled the box off the shelf, opened the box, opened the Bible, and he realized the joke was on him. His grandfather had placed a $20 bill in front of every single chapter in the Bible. So there was over $1,300 in that Bible that his grandfather unfortunately knew he was never going to find. Now I sure do wish Greg and I got in a special Bible like that because it would not have taken us months to discover the generosity that was within. But the truth is, for a lot of us, the Bible stays in the box or on the shelf or unopened on our, our phone apps. When it really was designed to help guide and shape our lives, to help us live into being faithful disciples and faithful church. So last week we started a sermon series called Ambitious Church. And actually, this sermon series came from a devotion that Colette Kronz, our director of children's ministry, shared with us at a staff meeting back in May. And she shared with us 18 things to pray for your church for. And we liked it so much that we created a sermon series out of it for this fall. That these were things that Jesus longs for the church, which is known as the bride of Christ, to be, to become at its best. So last week we started by talking about the church's distinct community in and among the world. And today we continue with the fundamental guiding uh, post and source for our church, which is scripture. So I invite you to hear two scriptures we're gonna use to shape our conversation this morning. The first one is from 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. <clears throat> but you must continue with the things you have learned and found convincing. You know who taught you. Since childhood, you have known the holy scriptures that help you to be wise in a way that leads to salvation through faith that is in Christ Jesus. Every scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for showing mistakes, for correcting, and for training character, so that the person who belongs to God can be equipped to do everything that is good. Our second lesson comes from James chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. 
Therefore, with humility, set aside all moral filth and the growth of wickedness and welcome the word planted deep inside you, the very word that is able to save you. You must be doers of the word and not only hearers who mislead themselves. Those who hear but don't do the word are like those who look at their faces in a mirror. They look at themselves, walk away, and immediately forget what they were like. But there are those who study the perfect law, the law of freedom, and continue to do it. They don't listen and then forget, but they put into practice in their lives. They will be blessed in whatever they do. This is God's word for all God's people. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Through the written word and the spoken word, may we know your living word, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So I learned something new this week. There is this new religion that has been formed that is called Yoism. And the concept behind Yoism is that it is a crowd-sourced religion. So that means it works like Wikipedia, so that all folks are able to go in and um, have creative authority and are the source of truth for um, editing and um, writing their, their beliefs. And so uh, can you just imagine this concept of being crowdsourced on the internet, it has numerous contributor, contributors. Yoism operates with this um, kind of shunning of divine authority and a uh, uh, ignoring or um, spurning of uh, inspirational, uh, divine inspiration. So there's no authoritative sources. There's no divine inspiration. Instead, the truth comes from every individual. And there is no single authority for their beliefs. Uh, so, can you imagine their book with all of their edits online, all of the edited footnotes constantly changing like Wikipedia based on no definitive sources other than what you and I might want to go in there and edit? And as I look around this room and think about um, what that might look like, that would be quite interesting and a little bit scary. Today, I want to share with you what United, the United Methodist Church believes about the authority of Scripture. And then what do these two readings that I just shared have to, to say to inform our conversation as well? But first, um, let's look at what our denomination says. United Methodists believe that Scripture is God's Word inspired by the Holy Spirit. We acknowledge that human hands wrote or spoke Scripture, but their work was inspired by the Holy Spirit. We believe that Scripture is our very best revelation of God that we have. And our Book of Discipline says that through Scripture, the living Christ meets us in the experience of redeeming grace. So one of the things that I so deeply appreciate about United Methodist uh, theology is how important interpreting and understanding Scripture is to us. Because if we are to bear witness of Jesus to others in our lives, and we are, 
then that requires us to reflect critically on biblical and theological uh, inheritance and information that we have received. That allows us then to give an honest witness to Jesus in this day and in this time. So one way we do that is using a tool that we inherited from our founding father, John Wesley. Wesley believed that the living core of the Christian faith was revealed in scripture. It was illumined or is illumined by tradition, vivified in personal experience, and confirmed by reason. We call this the Wesleyan quadrilateral. Important to note a quadrilateral, if it's been a while since you've taken geometry, is that one of the sides is longer than the others. And that uh, is a metaphor for scripture being uh, most important, being foundational. It holds primary authority among all of the theological sources. And this beautiful and complex book is so important to our Christian community. And yet, we need help understanding not only what it says, but what we're then supposed to do with it. And that's when looking at tradition and what have those that have gone before us learned so that we don't have to create the will and when did they get it wrong becomes important. Experience helps scripture come alive for us today. It brings home what the Holy Spirit wants us to get out of the text, what the Holy Spirit wants us to see, and it's reason that processes all of this theological information so that we can make sense on it and act on it. But today, today we're just focusing on scripture. So if scripture is this important to guiding our beliefs, then let's look at these two passages from uh, the New Testament to see what else can we learn. In 2 Timothy, Paul is reminding Timothy, Paul's writing this letter to one of his favorite disciples and um, followers that is leading a church um, that Paul helped start. He's helping Timothy to remember what he was taught as a child and to let those words seep deep inside of him in order to guide him, to shape him, to form him. Now, I realize that not everyone in this room may have been taught from the scriptures as a child, and you might not have had it planted deep inside of you. But we as a church hold that as a value, that today our young ones will know the stories of scripture and interact with the stories of scripture. Some of you may remember um, back from the second Sunday when I shared my call story that a really important piece of that story is my grandmother. She was my spiritual teacher. And after my father and grandfather died and I would, when I was really young, I would go and spend time with uh, my grandmother. Uh, she would at night let me creep creep, crawl up into her ginormous king-size bed to sleep with her. And every night she would start to read for me uh, from the book of Exodus. And she'd save a little bit of the story so I couldn't wait for the next night to see what else happened. But in that process, she was planting scripture deep inside of me. And she was teaching me, just like Timothy's grandmother was one of the ones that taught him 
um, the lessons of scripture and the powerful promises of God to lead me through the wildernesses that would be um, present in my own life. She was teaching me that if I would only trust in God, God will indeed provide everything I need, just like he did the Israelites in the wilderness. Verse 15 says that scripture gives us wisdom that helps lead us to salvation through our faith in Jesus. Scripture is that pathway that leads us into a relationship with Jesus. We also hear from 2 Timothy again, God's word is inspired by God. The Greek word here is God breathed. I love that, God breathed. That's a powerful image as I imagine the hands that are putting pen to parchment filled with God's breath in order to capture God's word for us to read thousands and thousands of years later. Again, John Wesley said, the spirit of God not only once inspired those who wrote it, but it continues to inspire, supernaturally assist those that read it with earnest prayer. You see, God's word was not only inspired when it was being captured, but it is still inspired today as we open our Bibles and read it in 2019. This book is God's living word. And one of the reasons it has such power now like it did thousands of years ago is how the Holy Spirit absolutely continues to inspire those that read it. And that is powerful. Scripture's very purpose and function is to shape and teach and equip us to live lives that are distinct, that matter, that lead us to that liberating salvation in Jesus. And how does it do this? Matthew Henry summarizes Paul best by saying scripture instructs us to that which is true, truth. It reproves us for that which is amiss, points out when we are not in line, we've gone off track, and it directs us in that which is good. It not only tells us when we're off track, but it points us to where we need to be, to what is good and beautiful in our lives. This is how it shapes us. So I am excited to be traveling to the UK, uh, Tuesday actually, uh, for a conference on both kind of fresh expressions, worship, creative worship, and discipleship, um, which is hugely timely for me right now um, in the life of this church, but also will then spend time exploring the historical sites of John Wesley. And Yet, one of the places that I will not be going to is the Royal Observatory in Greenwich, England. And that's a place that's famous for the um, prime meridian, which is the zero degree longitude for the earth. Now, in case you're wondering, I will be five hours ahead of you. Um, and that's one of the things I love that's so interesting to me is how we mark time across the globe, how we're able to, to hold time together as calculated for international travel and uh, so business can carry on. But prior to the International Meridian Conference in 1884, each region was responsible for its own local time. Can you imagine how confusing that would be as you were moving from one area to another? And so um, <coughs> finally, 
this man named John Flamsteed uh, began working on trying to capture the stars and get a map of the stars so that people would be able to know where they were, to be able to find their place on the map. And he um, eventually created the work that others then used to create the prime meridian. And what is so important about that is that allows us to help all people find their position on the planet, right? It allows us to answer the fundamental philosophical and physical question, where am I? But the power of the prime meridian is that it's a fixed position through which our knowledge of time and place can be understood, can be um, um, connected to. And this is a metaphor that's effective for understanding the Bible in our lives as well. That the scripture is our meridian. It is that fixed position given by God himself through which we can understand who we are, where we are, and where we must go from here. I think there's something very comforting about that image that allows me to value the power of Scripture even more in my life. That all I have to do is open up the Bible and read and pray the Scriptures in order to get oriented and to remind me whose I am. So let's shift briefly to that second Scripture. If 2 Timothy describes what Scripture is, Our passage from James tells us what we should do with God's word. While scripture is designed to be heard and read, James says scripture just can't be an intellectual enterprise. We are to be doers of the word. That God's teaching is meant to be put into action. Friends, this book is not meant to be some highly revered idol that we worship. It's meant to guide our lives, to impact our lives and the lives of others. So James goes on to make an interesting point. He talks about the word being planted deep within us, right? It echoes 2 Timothy where Paul's reminding Timothy, you've got this scripture deep within from long ago in your life. Well, this is a gift when God's word and revelation is held deep within us. But for too many, we hold God's word in a rather shallow way. And James likens it to looking in a mirror. And I love this example. It makes perfectly good sense. The mirror is the Bible, okay? And the mirror offers a reflection of God, a revelation, a reflection of God. So those who merely glance at the reflection in the mirror and walk away immediately forget what they actually saw in the mirror. That is like those who merely hear the word and then do nothing with it, who don't allow it to shape or change their life. But those who spend time looking in the mirror, who study it, who just sit with it, are able to walk away holding God's reflection in their lives, and they become doers of the word. Our goal is not to forget the Bible as soon as we close it. You've been there before. You've read something, closed it. You have no idea what you just read. We've all been there before. But to really let it get planted deep inside of us so that we let that reflection of God shine through us 
for others to see. That's what James is asking of us. I know the Bible can be a tricky thing. It can be confusing. It can be divisive if used in harmful ways. It can also turn into an idol if people start worshiping the book itself rather than the revelation of God between the pages. But scripture can save your soul and it can comfort your spirit. Scripture can restore your peace. After reading Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Scripture can point the way like the prophets of old. Scripture can tell us about Jesus and his life-giving promises. The wisdom found in Proverbs. The parables of Jesus teaching us from just common, everyday life lessons. All the letters of Paul and others that describe what faithful living looks like. And most importantly, y'all, Scripture ultimately is a love story. From start to finish, it describes the love between God and God's beautiful creation, us people, humanity. It is a love story filled with examples of how faithful God is to us time and time again. And this love story has the remarkable ability to keep revealing new things to us every time we spend time reading it. Have you ever been to the beach and you watched someone with a metal detector trying to hunt treasures? I never really see them find anything, but I'm sure they do or they wouldn't keep trying. Well, I read this um, story that of... Uh, a treasure hunter, Van Morris, and he um, shared two lessons that the person he bought his metal detector from told him. He said, first of all, if you find something, before you cover that hole back up, you, you check again. Because he said, oftentimes where there is one coin, there will be two. And Van said, and I found that to be true. And then the other thing he said is, don't ever believe it when someone says an area or a space has been hunted out, meaning someone's already gone through and found anything and everything there was to find. He said, that is not true either. And so one time Van had the chance to go and explore a property that was um, built in the 1700s. And he was told it had been hunted out, but he went anyway. And he was about six hours in and just about ready to give up when his metal detector started reading something. And the next thing you know, he's finding coin after coin. I mean, his pockets aren't even able to hold them all. And one of them ended up being a three-cent piece from the 1865 that was worth about $70. Well, in the very same way, Christians desiring the wisdom of the word can sweep over the scriptures and find a host a host of marvelous treasures. Reading and rereading continues to reveal spiritual treasures within. And students of the Bible can be sure that no matter how much they dig into it, the Bible will never be hunted out. No matter how many times we have read it, this living word keeps giving and keeps giving. If only our people 
were hungry for God's word. That we would look upon scripture like a treasure that keeps giving, offering us gold. If only we would keep looking and searching and is living out these treasures, these teachings of this book that indeed make us an ambitious church, faithful to God and to one another in every possible way. May you, may you spend time reflecting in the mirror, reading regu- regularly so God's word and treasure can be planted deep within you. Amen? Amen.